0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented
0: by the Bear Report.
2: And you said we recording this episode on Wednesday, January 26th. And, you know, let's not avoid this here. Let's just get to this right away because we had some interesting breaking news a couple of days ago before this podcast. The Bears have a new GM now. Ryan Poles from the Kansas City Chiefs uh, taking the job as general manager for the Chicago Bears here. And it looks like we might have a name change coming in here. Uh, we were, we've were we been pick, Picks for Pace for the last couple of years here on this podcast. How does Picks for Polls sound, you said? How are you doing today, man?
3: Well, I'm doing great, first off, but I also think it was a seamless transition. So thank you to the Bears organization for making this easy for us. I know that, you know, we revived this podcast back during the 2020 season. I know you had started Picks for Pace originally, and then Alex kind of stepped away, and then you're like hey i want to get this going again then i kind of signed on and you know it was awesome having that name for basically a year and a half or about like two full seasons almost you know really cool going through the entire 2021 draft cycle with the name picks for pace but yeah you know sometimes things have to change and this is just one of those scenarios and instances where things had to change so i'm excited to move forward and do this for another year with you man
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Change is inevitable in all phases of life, but especially the NFL and everything going on in the league right now. Uh, And certainly it's going to it's going to take a little bit to get used to picks for polls. I've gotten so used to our intro here, picks for pace, that it's going to be probably a tough transition. I'm probably going to have to have uh, a couple of intros over the next few episodes, having a hard time transitioning to picks for polls. But, you know, it's an exciting time for Bears fans here. And you know, let's just get into talking about Ryan Poles here. You said, you know, Ryan Poles going over his background here with, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Ryan Poles. First of all, the the first thing to know about Ryan Poles is that he started off as a Bears player, an undrafted uh, free agent, held the Chicago Bears an offensive lineman for Chicago Bears for one season, but. Now, he he spent the last 13 years with the Kansas City Chiefs in that organization over there, climbing the ranks um, in their personnel department. He started off um, as a player's personnel assistant in 2009, before working with the college sc- scouting department as an administrator uh, for a few years there, and then eventually moving his way up to director of college scouting in 2017, assistant director of player personnel in 2018, and then in this past season in 2021, executive director. Of player personnel so a meteoric rise for a young guy still 36 years old ryan poles uh the bears you know they're going back to the young mold of a young gm uh to lead the franchise here and you know based off his background
3: you said you
2: know what are your thoughts on his hire do you think the bears got this right
3: well i you know look my thoughts are very simple is that The hire looks great on paper, but then again, every single decision that you make in the NFL, it's been proven time and time again that you're not really going to see the effects of that decision until three, four, five years down the road. Now on the surface, it does look like the Bears got a true home run hitter because I want to flash back to the last time the Bears hired a general manager in 2015 with Ryan Pace. And if you look at Ryan Pace, I mean, he had basically come up under only one general manager and really worked alongside just one head coach. That was Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton. Ryan Poles is different in the sense that he outlasted the Scott Piole era. He was there for John Dorsey. He kind of basically came up in the organization alongside Brett Feach. And then you just factor in what Andy Reid has built and then the amount of turnover that the Chiefs have seen on the coaching staff. And Ryan Poles has certainly had a front row seat to all of that in terms of the continuity that's taken place. I know Doug Peterson was in Kansas city for, Sometime And then you had Matt Nagy work his way up the ranks, both under Andy Reid. And then on the defensive side of the ball, too, I know that in 2018, when the Chiefs got eliminated from the playoffs in the AFC championship game, what happened is the very next day, the Chiefs went ahead and fired defensive coordinator Bob Sutton and placed, replaced him with Steve Spagnuolo. And so ultimately, when we look at this, Ryan Poles is kind of seen firsthand and he's by the way i should mention this too he's one of the few gm candidates out there that got an opportunity to interview that has had a first class c and a front row seat basically as to how you go about building a championship team and that really should mean a lot to the bears organization as well as just the fan base because let's be honest about something i mean the chiefs under alex smith and john dorsey with andy reed they were a good team But the reason they became a championship team is because of the drafting of Brett Feach and because of the acquisition of Patrick Mahomes. And so ultimately, polls is seeing how you build a winner in the NFL and a consistent one, too, because the Chiefs have been the top of the AFC since 2018. At this point, you know what? That should mean a lot. So I really like the hire. But then again, it's a decision that you can't fully judge until a couple of years down the road.
2: Yeah, certainly this is something where we're going to have to give this a couple of years to let it breathe and see what uh, polls brings to the table here. But I got to say, I'm really, really excited uh, looking into his background here. And, you know, I like the point you mentioned about, you know, while he's worked in only one organization as an executive uh, throughout his time working in the front office with the Kansas City Chiefs. I I like the point you made that he's worked under different GMs and GMs that have different team building philosophies, you know, Scott Pioli, uh, he kind of comes from uh, that Belichick tree of managing a team, um, you know, during his early years. And then there's John Dorsey, who, you know, a little bit like Ryan Pace, who a very good scout, obviously wants to build through the drafts, but but will be aggressive in trades and making free agency moves. um, And, you know, certainly willing to, Mix it up. Very good talent evaluator, though. Um, and then Brett Veach, who's got his own flavor of how to build a roster here. We saw what the Chiefs did this last offseason where, you know, they saw the offensive line was a big problem. They fixed the offensive line. They were aggressive about doing it. So it's something where, you know, Ryan Poles, he's gotten to see, you know, what's worked for a lot of these guys and what hasn't worked for a lot of these guys, I think. And hopefully he's learned some lessons from that and can apply that to the Bears here. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's going to make plenty of mistakes, especially early on as he kind of learns the job a little bit. But I mean, that's that comes with experience. And um, from everyone that I've talked to and everyone that I've heard from about this, um, the first thing they mentioned about Ryan Poles is that uh, he is a very good evaluator. You know, he's got a background in scouting. He spent most of his career uh, with the Chiefs in their college college scouting department so he's very he's been very involved with their drafting uh over there in Kansas City and um you you look at their draft history for Kansas City it's it's very good you know the type of players they've they've been bringing in since uh Polis has been there Uh, I mean Patrick Mahomes is obviously acquired during the time Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey pretty much their entire core of their entire core of this current team, but really that entire core of their team before Patrick Mahomes got there, where they were in the playoffs every single year. Um, you know, it was built by drafts where Ryan Polos had a pretty big hand in is what, it, is what it sounds like to me. So, you know, you're getting an evaluator here and when you look at the identity of the Chiefs and what, you know, that team has built over the past decade or so, you know, you look at speed team speed being a huge factor and what they you know, what, what they like what they like to acquire, especially in offense, you know, Tariq Hill, Nicole Hardman, uh, you know, even Sammy Watkins when he was brought in there as a free agent, uh, you know, some of the other supporting pieces to that team, Byron Pringle, who's had a nice year for them this year. Uh, even Travis Kelce at the tight end position. He's very athletic tight end. Um, team speed has been a huge, you know, part of what has made the Kansas City Chiefs successful. Team speed allows you to, you know, get more explosive plays. Um, guys can get yards after the cash, all that type of stuff at the the receiving position. But also, uh, you know, Paul's background as an offensive lineman, it kind of leads you to, you know, the discussion of, you know, maybe this guy, he knows how to evaluate offensive linemen. And we've seen that at the Chiefs, they've done a really good job of evaluating uh, offensive linemen in the draft. Look at this past draft, drafting Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith in this past draft. Uh, The acquisition of Orlando Brownley with their left tackle, Um, you know some of the other moves they made in this past offseason I mean they've done a really nice job with their offensive line you go back even further the acquisition of Mitchell Schwartz in free agency uh, the drafting of Eric Fisher first overall in 2013 I believe it was Uh, so this is an organization who's done a really nice job of addressing the offensive line and evaluating that group and I think this is a point that you've made plenty of times in our podcast before but uh, you know the Chiefs always made it a point of emphasis in the draft to draft an offensive lineman, if not every year, every other year, at least. And I, I hope that's something that Ryan Poles brings to the table here, because, you know, while the, the bears were finally aggressive about addressing the offensive line in this past draft, it's been kind of a position they've neglected for um, a good portion of Ryan Pace's tenure when he was here. Obviously you yeah, had the Cody Whitehair and James Daniel picks are in the draft, but you know, they, before 2021, they had not invested a, in a tackle before round five, and when they did, they usually didn't work out. And we're hoping that Tevin Jenkins and Larry Bormer can be solid, but, you know, hopefully Ryan Poles kind of brings that mentality of building that offensive lineup a little bit, getting more speed on the offensive side of the ball for the playmakers, because I think that's going to be a really good fit for what Justin Fields is good at with, you know, his ability to throw the ball deep, certainly getting some speed receivers that can threaten defenses vertically is going to be helpful. you would, you would hope. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table here because Ryan Pace, you kind of knew what you were getting into coming from the Saints, working under Mickey Loomis, his entire uh, tenure with the Saints there. You know, the Saints been notorious for the way that they kind of play around the cap, pushing money into the future, you know, trading up all the time in the draft, being aggressive there. And that's kind of what we saw with Ryan Pace. He didn't quite go to the extremes that we see in New Orleans with the cap in terms of just pushing money down the road constantly, um, which is you know, New Orleans, is going to, New Orleans is going to finally pay for that this offseason, I think, over the really over the next two offseasons with the way they managed to cap over the past decade or so. Um, but again, Ryan Pace, he, he kind of had that similar philosophy. Ryan Pole's, because he's had different voices in the room, different GMs to work for, I'm really curious what he's going to bring to the table and what his style or preference for building this team is going to be
3: and you reference that statistic about how many offensive linemen the chiefs have drafted just over the years i mean Andy Reid got there in 2012 or 2013 and since then so it's been about a decade they've drafted at least seven or eight offensive linemen i think they might even be up to nine or 10 by drafting Creed Humphrey as well as Trey Smith in the 2021 NFL draft but look the point is is that Scott Pioli former chiefs gm kind of recognized this very quickly when Pioli was in Kansas City and Ryan Poles was an up and comer there, just in the sense that he talked about how Ryan Poles had a different way of just evaluating both offensive and defensive linemen, and that quote from Pioli is somewhere out there on the internet. But the reason that matters is this: is because we have to be honest with ourselves about something. The Bears have basically gone years and years and years and said, "Hey, you know what? We're not even gonna we're not gonna make investing in the offensive line a high enough priority." I mean, the last time this team took an offensive guard in the first round was in 2013 with kyle long the last time that they took an offensive tackle in the first round was 2011 with gabe kamari and so when you look at those statistics you realize okay the bears haven't really been serious about legitimately building the ol and again ryan pace and man aggie tried it last year in free agency they tried to throw all their money at trent williams and obviously williams kind of looked at it and was just like yeah you know what i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna choose someone else now How do we evaluate the Bears offensive line moving forward? It's certainly a key question mark because you are going to see the entire unit get overhauled in some capacity. I think that Cody White here, knowing the veteran presence he brings, just because of his contract situation, I think that there's a chance he stays in 2022, but polls does make moving on from him in 2023 a priority. And then you look at Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum. Okay, sure, they weren't polls draft picks, but guess what? At the end of the day, the upside is there for both of them to significantly show that hey we deserve to stick around in this new era and i think tevin jenkins is should really be the exception to the rule here because we haven't seen what he can do but we've seen what tevin jenkins can do in college when he's playing fully healthy and then you have sam mustapher who's a i believe a restricted free agent you know he should not be back in 2022 absolutely not i think that when we looked at Sam Mustafer at the end of 2020, going into 2021, the possibility of, first things first, right, let's just talk about this, is it was convenient for the Bears to have an undrafted free agent on a cheap rookie contract starting because the team had such limited cap space. But the number two, you looked at it and you're like, okay, he is a Notre Dame product, kind of learned under Harry Hinds There is enough potential there to the point where you wonder if he does add some functional strength and he just – Get smarter at football, recognizing the calls and the stunts in the fronts, then maybe just maybe you have a quality center. But he showed in 2021, I can't be a starting quality center in this league, but I can make a good backup or even in some cases a decent swing tackle. And then you have James Daniels, who's not physically imposing by any means, not the greatest athlete, but has mobility and is somewhat athletic to the point where you're like, okay, maybe there is enough to work with with the new coaching staff coming in to the point where you take James Daniels and you say, hey, how can we get James to go from good to great? Because he's also only 24, 25 years old. He's relatively young, and he's yet to enter the prime of his career. And I think with James Daniels, for a player that offers so much versatility playing any spot on the interior, you have to consider, hey, do we bring him back if his price tag is super reasonable? Or do we let some other team overpay? Because that's ultimately what's going to happen with Daniels if he hits free agency.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Yeah, the way the Bears handle the offensive line, the way Ryan Poles decides to go about this, I almost said Ryan Pace there for a second. I'm telling you, it's going to trip me up for uh, the next few episodes here. Uh, but. I'm really curious to see what polls does to address this unit because uh, obviously Tre- Tevin Jenkins being a second round pick, a guy the bears heavily invested in. I think he's a lot to start next year. He, I know he dealt with injuries this past year, but when he was on the field, he shows some promise. Um, you know, his, his game against the Minnesota Vikings when he got his first start there was very good at left tackle. He had some rough moments against green Bay. He had some rough moments uh, in the season finale against Minnesota, but, I think he showed enough to where I feel pretty confident in that, you know, he can be, he, he's got some problems to build off there. And Larry Borum, he's he got a lot of experience in his rookie year. I'm not sure if he's a long-term piece, but I, I think he's definitely a solid NFL player at the tackle spot. You feel good about him um, at least as a swing tackle. So you, you have the tackles, you feel pretty good about where you, what you got there. The interior though is going to be interesting. Cody Whitehair He's their highest paid offensive lineman. I, I find it very hard they're gonna be able to get out of his deal this offseason. It's probably a, a thing where they look to get out of his deal in 2023. So I think he's here next year. You know, we'll see what they end up doing with him as you know, whether he's a left guard, whether he's a center again. Certainly interesting there, but you know, they do have to address two positions here: center and right guard. You know, you mentioned it, Sam Mustafer. He, he he absolutely cannot be the shoe in starter for you next year. I think you're absolutely right there did not show enough to where he warranted uh, another chance at that spot. I, I'm, it's just the way it is. Um, James Daniels is going to be very interesting, though, because you talk about him being a free agent. I, I, I honestly don't know what is going to happen with James Daniels because I can see the argument for both ways. Because, you know, James Daniels, he's been very consistent in his career. He hasn't been great by any means, but he definitely has not been bad. He's been an average to slightly above average. Uh, offensive lineman in the interior throughout his career. And, and this year was his best year, um, I, I felt like, by a pretty wide margin. He was healthy the entire year. He he, was, he held up in pass protection for the most part, um, showed some nice things in the run game. Like you said, he's not a mauler by any means. He's a very good athlete. He's versatile. can play all three positions. Um, but it's also the matter of, you know, the cap is rising. It's going to be rising quickly over the next couple of years um, now that we're kind of recovering from – uh, you know, where COVID kind of messed with the cap a little bit and, and brought it down the last couple of years, um, it's going to be bouncing back up and rising quickly. So, we're going to see a lot of big contracts being handed out over the next few years. And James Daniels is going to be a benefactor of that, I feel like, because, like you mentioned, he is young. He's 24 years old, going to be 25 uh, next year. And it's possible that a team's going to see, see the trajectory that he's on, see his age. Um, you know see that you know at the very least he's a a solid um, average to above average starter at right guard or left guard and that's very valuable in the NFL you know we're going to take a chance and say that he develops here and give him a big fat contract and you know the Bears with their cap situation I'm not sure if they're willing to make that work and you know that's going to be the first big decision that Ryan Poles made obviously that and you know what he does with the Roquan Smith extension and Um, And then what he does addressing the offense and fixing that. So there are a ton of moving parts here, but I think the first big decision that Ryan Poles is going to have to make, and something we'll uh, touch on briefly here uh, before we move on to our next topic, is who's going to be the head coach for the Bears. So we got the GM, it's for the head bear for the Chicago Bears now, um, and that's very exciting. I'm definitely looking forward to see what Poles does, but you know the head coaching position is where things get dicey here because. Uh, you know, just today, we just got news that the Bears, they have completed interviews with Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, who we've, we talked about a little bit here in this podcast, and Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Um, it's been rumored that Ryan Poles is a big fan of Dan Quinn. There was some speculation that Dan Quinn could be hired as soon as today. Um, so, you know, that's something to keep an eye out here. Um it's also, Jim Caldwell also got an interview with the Bears, I believe, yesterday, or it might have been earlier this morning. Uh, Jim Caldwell got an interview for the head coaching position. So those are the three main candidates right now, and we we've get to hear any other names to expand that list. Now, the fact that we've heard no news about hiring today leads me to believe that uh, they're going to look to expand their list maybe a little bit, maybe get another name or two, maybe a, a Brian Dabble, maybe a Brian Flores that Ryan Poles will want to come in and talk to maybe a Nathaniel Hackett. If he doesn't get the Denver Broncos job, but it sounds like uh, he might be getting the job there. Um, so first of all, you said, you know, what are your thoughts on Ryan Poles in this head coaching discussion here? Because that's going to be the big domino, the first big domino to fall here with the decisions Uh, that he makes and what to expect from his regime and what he wants to do with this Bears franchise.
3: Well, there's a lot that goes into this process too because in the past kind of what's happened is the Bears have hired the general manager and then George McCaskey, Ted Phillips have come in and said, hey, you know what? You're the new GM now, but we're going to be here as essentially a support system because we want to have a say in this decision. What's interesting about this is that this is all Ryan Poles decision. So the bears must have really seen something in polls. If, They are giving him complete autonomy to select the next general manager. Now, I think when you look at this situation, you know, Jim Caldwell is a candidate that interviewed, I believe, on Tuesday, the 25th. I don't want Jim Caldwell simply because when you look at him, he had his great run, but they're all with Indianapolis and Detroit. But there also comes a time where you have to move on and you have to move on to something else. And I think for Jim Caldwell being in his 60s, he's at a point now where coaching has kind of gotten past him he's just better off serving as a consultant for some organization or perhaps even working as an advisor in the front office now when you look at dan quinn it's a hire that i wouldn't love but i wouldn't necessarily hate either certainly with our mixed reactions i mean you talk about dan quinn's messy exit in atlanta they had one really solid year even that they blew a 28 to 3 lead in the Super Bowl. Ultimately, you look at, I mean, Dan Quinn did have a lot of talent. You know, for a guy that's defensive minded, his offense was loaded with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, you know, had a couple of good running backs and Devontae Freeman as well as Tevin Coleman, but the Falcon just never put it all together consistently enough to really warrant being labeled a consistent championship or contending team. And then you just factor this in too. You know, how many slow starts did Dan Quinn have in Atlanta? You know, there were years where he was like one in five, one in six, one in seven, and then they would end up finishing the season seven and nine. So yeah, they played hard and Dan Quinn's message got through, but it got through too late for a team. And then you look at Matt Eberflus, he's someone that I've written about for bearreport.com. Eberflus is interesting as a first time head coach, but then also the big question you would have with him is this is effectively, who are you bringing in to oversee the development of Justin Fields? Is that going to be the responsibility of your offensive coordinator as well as your quarterback's coach? Or how is that entire thing going to work out? Is is going to play a hand in his development? And then you look, factor this into hiring a defensive minded head coach, too, is what tends to happen with Sean DeSite, right? With an offensive head coach, you don't, you have that concern, but the concern can also go away if you decide to go ahead and say, yeah, Sean Desai, stick around. We want you here because we believe what you did in 2021 was good despite not having the real horses needed to win in every race. And then you look at some of these offensive-minded head coaches. You know, Brian Flores, Brian Dable, both have kind of interviewed for the Bears. Dable, I think, is a really intriguing candidate. But my big issue with him is that while his transition from Josh Allen to Justin Fields would be seamless, Dable's also put in a decade of coaching and coordinator experience in the NFL compared to Matt Nagy who had like six to seven weeks as a play caller and really one full season as an offensive coordinator but the point I'm making with Dable is that he's overseeing the development of a quarterback who quite frankly Justin Fields can consistently be able to emulate now the one thing that does concern me about Brian Dable though is if you watch that Kansas City Buffalo game in the divisional round on Saturday, you clearly saw that there were times where the Bills offense, number one, got away from the running game, which was a consistent issue. And I know there's the whole perception and notion out there. Well, they did rush for over 100 yards a lot of times in the season. A lot of that we have to understand this is a design run game not the running backs, it's the design run game because Josh Allen has proven to be mobile. But then number two, there's times where Brian Dable's offenses just can't consistently score, and then they end up falling behind and effectively have to put the game in the hands of their defense. And so that's really my biggest gripe with Brian Dable. And then Brian Flores, I think, would probably end up being the best head coach hire from this cycle simply because he didn't necessarily get the most fair shake in Miami. There were a couple times where – we were basically two seasons. The Dolphins were rebuilding. He kind of kept the Dolphins relevant in the playoff race. He really went ahead and, you know, played an instrumental hand in developing two attack of Iloa. Now, again, the same question is going to surface is if you hire Flores, who's overseeing the development of Justin Fields, but Flores is continuously proven. He can put together a good, disciplined football team, no matter the level of talent or lack of talent and that players are going to respect the hell out of him.
2: Yeah, and certainly you hope that they the Bears try to branch out here because if they're just going to go with the three that I mentioned earlier, and, uh, that being Jim Caldwell, Matt Eberflus, uh, Dan Quinn, even though I like Matt Eberflus uh, quite a bit as a defensive coordinator, and I think he could be a pretty solid head coach, you know, it's still underwhelming when you look at where the Bears are at. And I think you nailed it on the head with Eberflus. You know, the main concern is who is going to be the offensive coordinator, who's going to help you know with Justin Fields' development. Those are all. You know, huge unknowns with him right now, and, and the same goes for any defensive uh, head coach. You know, one of the things we've heard a lot about Dan Quinn is that you know he's got a great staff in mind for uh, the next head coaching job that he gets. That so he's going to have a killer staff around him, and that's kind of one of the selling points that he's going to bring to the table. Here is that you're not just getting Dan Quinn; you're getting you know a re- really good uh, young coordinators, assistant coaches, and and he's going to try to bring that. Uh, to the table for whatever team he wants to go to and um you know Jim Caldwell I, I think you know I I'm kind of I, I see both sides of it with Jim Caldwell I think he's uh, you know you look at his track record I think he's a sol- he's been a solid head coach in this league he's won uh pretty consistently everywhere he's been and um certainly he's done a nice job of developing quarterbacks uh and working with quarterbacks so you know, if, he, if he has an offense in mind for Justin Fields, I, I guess that could be intriguing, but you know, he's, he's getting up there in age. He hasn't been in the league for a couple of years now, so I, I kind of question whether the game may pass, may pass him by a little bit um, at his age and whether you know, there's some longevity to worry about there with him. You know, you, for this next head coaching hire, you know, it's very important one because you want this to be the guy that you know, builds uh, you know, sustained success with Justin Fields as the quarterback. I'm not sure Jim Caldwell is that guy. He seems like more of a stepping stone coach where he comes in for a couple of years, kind of stabilize the franchise a little bit, kind of similar to John Fox. If, if uh, you ask me, um, just a little bit of a different flavor, obviously, where John Fox a really old school, conservative uh, defensive minded coach, where Caldwell is more of the offensive guy, but, you know, still more of an older guy uh, nonetheless, but, you know, Dan Quinn, I, I you know, this kind of seems like the hot name right now, um, I'll just say this on Dan Quinn um, I, I think he was very underwhelming um, during his first head coaching stint in Atlanta and you look at what led to the su- success there in Atlanta it was not his defenses there um, it was the offense and you know the offense that was built around Matt Ryan who was there before he got there Will Jones who was there before uh, he got there and then you know the one big year they got where they had the Super Bowl Who's the offensive coordinator that year? Kyle Shanahan. And when Kyle Shanahan left, everything kind of fell, started to fall apart for the Atlanta Falcons after he left. So you got to give credit for Dan Quinn for bringing in Kyle Shanahan to the Knicks and giving him uh, that offensive coordinator job. But it's kind of the same thing we talked about with every single defensive head coach is, yeah, even if they nail the offensive coordinator higher, if that offensive coordinator higher, if that offensive coordinator is awesome and leaves for a different job elsewhere to be the head coach, you're, you're kind of stuck it kind of screws you over a little bit because, you know, that's the architect of your offense. And especially for a young quarterback like Justin Fields, let's say they bring in a young up and coming offensive coordinator pair with Justin Fields over the next two years or so. And Justin Fields, he he skyrockets. You see his potential really go through the roof here. The offense kind of explodes out of nowhere. And and Justin Fields is playing awesome. Great. Now this guy moves on somewhere else to take a head coaching job. You're kind of stuck there. And and now you just have Dan Quinn who – um, hasn't proven that, you know, he can get the most out of the rosters that he's given, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which he's a defensive minded guy. So I have my, I have huge concerns with Dan Quinn, but you know, from the sound of it, you know, he's a, he's a guy who a lot of players, they, they respect him. A lot of coaches love and respect him as well. So it's very possible that he could, he could put together a fire staff um, with with the Bears here if he gets hired. So it sounds like Ryan Pulse Um likes the guy as well, has a relationship with him already. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with the head coaching discussion here. Certainly I think, you know, we will probably get some more news of it next week. And I think that'll be a good time to discuss then, you know, who the next head coach of the bears are going to be when we come back to this topic next week. But for now, Ryan Poles, he's the next GM. And, um, you know, hopefully this is a a good stepping stone for the bears here um, as you know, they get, a new GM to pair with their young quarterback. Um, And with that, I think it's a good time to transition to the second topic of today's episode. And um, it's the big one coming up here, you say, and that's previewing the senior bowl. Um, This is something that's kind of sneaked up on us pretty quickly here. I know we've been so focused on the GM and head coaching search that um, it was kind of tough to find any time to discuss the senior bowl, but that's what we're going to do today. So, uh, what we're going to be doing for this um, is just going over some of the key players um, that'll be at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, practices start next week, and then you have the game next weekend. So uh, it's right around the corner. Look, really looking forward to it. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be able to go to the Senior Bowl last year, not able to make it work uh, this time around. But uh, I know a couple of guys on Bears Twitter that are going to be down there in Mobile, Alabama. So Uh, We'll definitely be getting some good stuff and updates from them on Bears Twitter, from the guys that are going to be down there at the Senior Bowl. We're looking forward to this, you said. Um, For our conversation here, let's start off with probably the biggest talking point of this year's Senior Bowl, and that's the quarterbacks, obviously. Uh, You know, I'll go with the national team uh, first here. Um, Some of the quarterbacks are on this roster, but, I mean, you start off here, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, Carson Strong. I mean, right away, three guys that have first-round consideration um, if you can go over the, some of the guys on the American team, I, I believe Malik Willis is on on the American team as well. Um, who, who are some of the guys on the
3: American team? To kind of, you want to go over for the quarterbacks? Yeah, Malik Willis is absolutely on the American team. But then there's also a couple really interesting names to keep an eye on. I mean, you've got Western Kentucky's Bailey Zep, and then you've got UNC's Sam Howell. Now, in my opinion, UNC's Sam Howell is clearly the most intriguing of. Any of the quarterbacks down in Mobile this year, simply because if you flash back to the 2020 season, I mean, there was a lot of talk about hey, could Sam Darnold, who a lot of people kind of saw as being Baker Mayfield light, there was a lot of talk about him potentially being the consensus QB one going into the 2022 season, and you know we talked about it a couple months ago, but if we really Sorry, if we really continue to bring it back, right, we very quickly see that um, Howell just has not shown enough to be consensus QB1 and that ultimately, looking at this entire class, it's just a complete mess. So it's a critical week coming up for all these guys
2: really, and Malik Willis as well. I think those two are going to be really going after it on the American side of things. Um, It's very possible that both of those guys could be the first two quarterbacks selected. Now, that doesn't mean that some of these other guys aren't intriguing as well. Uh, Desmond Ritter, quarterback out of Cincinnati, has gotten quite a bit of uh, first-round buzz over this last year, but uh, you you look at these other two guys that I want to bring up here, Kenny Pickett and Carson Strong, two guys where we kind of had... Some conversation with Carson Strong, I think, going into the off season last year. If I don't believe so, um, but Kenny Pickett was a huge riser um, during this latest season. And you know, every single year there's always a quarterback that kind of it comes out of nowhere and establishes himself as a first round talent um, out of nowhere. And we've had this happen in the past, uh, whether it be Kyler Murray, I believe, in 2019 um in 2020 obviously joe burrow was the guy who kind of came out of nowhere to be that you know first quarterback taking uh 2021 it was mac jones who was the, uh, the guy uh who came out of nowhere during his final season at alabama and really turned some some heads there um this year it was Kenny kind of Pickett, and he, he kind of profiles a little bit similar to joe burrow in the sense that you know neither are you know big imposing, strong arm passers both guys now, I'm not saying they're anywhere comparable as prospects. Uh, Joe, Bor- Joe Burrow was a special prospect, and uh, when I evaluated him, I don't did, I see the same thing with him and Kenny Pickett. I'm not trying to make that uh, comparison from a talent standpoint, but from a play style standpoint, it, it kind of has some similarities in terms of, you know, the talent level, the arm strength, um, you know, not the greatest arms, but, you know, certainly pretty accurate, the ability to go off script a little bit and make throws on the move. Um there are some intriguing aspects of Kenny Pickett's game that he can work on here. I think uh, a lot of teams, you know, this will be a good showcase for him because, you know, he's a little bit of a one-year wonder. Uh, he's played a, he has a lot of snaps at the collegiate level at Pittsburgh uh, and he kind of put it all together his senior year. So it's something where I think we have to figure out a, you know, was this just, you know, a one-year wonder as a senior where uh, he was able to put it all together, uh, kind of similar to Zach Wilson, where Zach Wilson was kind of pedestrian for most of his career at BYU you know, show some flashes, but never put it all together, put it all together his senior year. And we saw his first year as a pro, even though I, I really like Zach Wilson's prospects, you know, his rookie his rookie season was rough, uh, especially compared to, even compared to some of the other rookie quarterbacks this year, his rookie year was particularly tough for him. So you kind of had those concerns about Kenny Pickett, but there are some, uh, certainly some intriguing stuff to work with there. And then Carson Strong, I mean, you uh, you know, he might be. It's very possible. I could see a scenario where Strong is the first quarterback taken in, in this upcoming draft because he's kind of more of that traditional pocket passer type, where he's not great at extending plays. He's not a, an elite athlete by any means, but a very strong arm, a big physical and frame, maneuvers very well in the pocket. He has very good pocket presence. So that was probably the first thing I noticed about him besides his arms arm talent. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see what he does here because he's got he's going to have his college teammate uh, Romeo Dubs on his team uh, on the na- on the national team. So it'll be uh, pretty fun to see those two uh, connect together once again uh, the senior bowl down here. Uh, but finishing with some of the American guys, you know, what are some of the things you're looking forward for uh, Malik Willis and uh, Sam Howell in particular as the kind of the the two biggest names? Yeah, well,
3: you know, Sam Howell is really interesting to me because when you look at Sam Howell just in terms of who he is as a prospect I think that you know a team like the Saints could certainly draft him and then he would fit what they do really well now ultimately when you look at it right Howell coming out of high school really highly touted recruit there was a lot of um buzz around him but ultimately when you look at it I think Sam Howell proved one thing that he fits into a spread offense but that also he's not going to be a, the type of quarterback that you can basically win games because of you need to supplement whatever he's able to do with a really good run game and you know when I look at him I see a prospect that okay is able to efficiently go ahead and read defenses but could improve But he's also does have the necessary arm strength, as well as the ability to effectively push the ball down the field. Okay, I think that when we look at Howell, right, the accuracy certainly sticks out in terms of decision making. All right, you know what he is good but to really elevate to great it's just going to require him to process faster and then ultimately when you kind of switch over to malik willis here he's another prospect that i think is very interesting because a lot of people looked at malik willis and kind of saw lamar jackson light. now when you look at willis i mean he's only six foot one 215 pounds but when you do look at him you realize that he is able to basically push the ball down the field there are times where he can certainly be the type of prospect that makes great decisions but then he also makes really bad decisions and that really comes I really saw that when watching a lot of his tape when it came to making decisions it was oftentimes the best and worst plays used to be on some of the big plays down the field I really like his poise I mean you talk about um you know, his ability to maneuver the pocket and mobility pretty good as well. And I think that when we talk about teams that could fit the bill with Malik Willis, I would say that a offensive coordinator or a head coach that is willing to consistently have the quarterback be on the move roll out of the pocket so you're talking play action naked bootlegs or even a lot of design quarterback run games Malik Willis is going to be your guy I mean I seriously think that he's going to develop with the right coaching into a electric and dynamic playmaker at the next level
2: yeah Willis is kind of like a blank slate blank blank slate is a uh, quarterback prospect he's got all the physical tools in the world he is extremely talented he clearly has the highest ceiling of any of these quarterbacks but he is very raw and i think that's one of the main things you see really the first couple of times i watched him you can see this you know just a guy that um is polished and ready i think to start at the nfl level and you know it, it may take him some time that's all i'll say so, Willis, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can really turn eyes here. I, I think he has all the makings to be a, a really high first-round pick. It's just a matter of uh, can he put it all together and be consistent? That's really going to be the main thing.
0: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. we are do doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
2: That's what the poster said?
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
2: Uh, so we talked about some of the quarterbacks here. Let's get into to end this podcast some of the other big names at at this uh, senior bowl that we want to cover here and i'll start with you we're doing our top five players to watch out on each team so you say i'll go with your five here who do you got for um players to look out for at the senior bowl not only just for the bears but just in general um for what they can bring to the table
3: yeah so on the american team i've got tight end grant calcaterra from southern methodist university again he was at Oklahoma for some time a lot of people thought he was going to kind of go on and be a really solid tight end stepped away from the game for a bit but great to see him back at SMU now reviving his football career he stepped away due to concussion issues you know we already discussed at number two Malik Willis Now, number three, I've got Brian Robinson Jr. running back from Alabama. I mean, look, we've seen these Alabama running backs over the last couple of years. Brian Robinson Jr., another really dynamic playmaker. I think Nick Saban's done a phenomenal job in Tuscaloosa with his development. So I think that Robinson Jr. is going to be ready for a running back by committee role. But certainly with the electric playmaker that he is at the NFL level, I would not surprise wouldn't be surprised to see him get featured. Number four, I've got Reggie Roberson Jr., a wide receiver from SMU. Now, he is a really intriguing prospect to me because when I ultimately look at Reggie Rob- Roberson Jr., you know, one of the interesting things to keep in mind is that this wide receiver class, just from – Top to bottom, right? We talk about the big names like a Drake London, David Bell. We talk about someone such as Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. But then ultimately, when we look at someone such as Reggie Roberson, I mean, there's a lot of growth that needs to happen. But he is can be a really good wide receiver three or four before really moving up into a wide receiver, like a true wide receiver, true role. And so, yeah, he does have to improve his route running, but he's got really good hands, hands, all right? His ability to basically get in and out of breaks and just create separation, I thought watching on film was completely excellent. And then he's a really good you know, tracker of the football. So he's got pretty good ball skills. And then, you know, bringing the speed that he does, I think that he can play basically anywhere on the field, right? So being just six foot tall, 200 pounds, you can see him. I can certainly see him playing in the slot. I can see him playing outside too, because I think he does bring that physicality element. And then number five, I've got... Dylan Parham, offensive tackle from, or I should say, offensive lineman from Memphis. He's certainly an interesting prospect because, you know, if you look at Memphis over the last couple of seasons, they primarily sent wide receivers along with um, running backs to the NFL. But then when you talk about, Parham I think you know he's one of the toughest offensive linemen in this class he's able to move all right he's got some really good functional strength and then when you look at the point of attack right he really makes an effort to go ahead and impose his will especially when it comes to getting to the second and third levels at times and so ultimately we look at Parham right you're getting a prospect that okay may not be the biggest name but it's six foot three about 285 really solid player okay and someone that i think is gonna end up being a mid-round steal and then you can't even you know i forgot to totally mention there's a lot of versatility too because when you look at his background on the memphis website you do see that okay he's played some time at left guard as well as left tackle you know played at a right tackle as well. And so ultimately, when you look at that, right, you realize that he's basically the type of player that, you know, you can move inside and outside and he's going to be totally fine.
2: Yeah, certainly some intriguing names there. I think Roberson uh, could have some, you know, it's, it's pretty deep wide receiver class. Roberson has been a guy who's been um, in, in the draft circles for a while Here is kind of a solid day three, you know, candidate, or kind of a day three, a lot of day three buzz for him as a potential steal. So that's definitely someone to look out for, I, I think, on the American team. I look forward to, but, you know, going to the national team here, there's a couple of guys that really intrigue me. And uh, the first one is defensive lineman Logan Hall out of Houston. Um, you know, a sneaky knee for the Bears this offseason is going to be the defensive line. You have guys like Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols uh, at the end of their contracts. You know, are those guys going to be back? I don't really think so. It's possible they lose both those guys. Eddie Goldman is probably going to be cut this off season, or there's some rumors that he might be looking to retire um, after this year. So um, the defensive line for the Bears is going to look a whole lot different. And it's been a strength for this Bears franchise, you know, ever since Ryan Pace uh, took over the job. He's done a really good. He did a really nice job of investing in the front seven, especially on the defensive line. And they're not going to have that strength anymore going forward. They're going to have to rebuild this defensive line um, over the next couple of years or so. Um, and I know they have a bunch of other needs elsewhere, but um, you know, interior pressure is very important for your pass rush. And they have the edges figured out where Cleo Mack is still under contract. Robert Quinn has had a big year. He's still under contract. And you, know, you have guys like Travis Gibson who really stepped up this year as a second-year player. So their edge group is fine, but the interior – um, they did not get enough. I, I don't think enough um, production from their interior group as pass rushers um, and um, getting after the quarterback and applying pressure in the interior. And they're they're gonna just they just need some more young talent there. And Logan Hall, uh, he's kind of an undersized player. He kind of played at uh, around 280 pounds at Houston, so he's kind of like a hybrid guy, you know, from the looks of things. But I think you look at him; he's got a very explosive first step. Uh, he converts speed to power very well in his pass rush. And he just applies pressure constantly on the quarterback. He's he's a pest for opposing quarterbacks. So uh, he really intrigues me. He plays a lot stronger than what his listed weight is. And I think if he beats, beats up a little bit to 290, 295, um, he could be a very dangerous player in the NFL. And I don't know you know, what the scheme the Bears are going to be running here. Maybe he's not a great fit for a 3-4. But um, as an attacking uh, defensive tackle Um, as a pass rusher, he's one of the better guys in this class. And I'm really excited to see what he does against um, some better offensive line competition, because uh, he has a lot of, a lot of ability here. And I think he's a guy that could really benefit from the senior bowl and really raise his stock here. Sticking on the defensive side of the ball. I want to go to the linebackers here because there's some really good linebackers at the senior bowl. I think the big names obviously are Devin Lloyd out of Utah and Chad Muma, Uh, out of wyoming those are probably the two biggest names on the national team but there's one guy here who's not getting a ton of buzz and he probably should because he's a small school guy and that's troy anderson linebacker out of montana state and anderson is a really fascinating prospect he's a a very different one whereas muma and uh lloyd are your tradition not traditional linebackers but you know kind of your more, you know, Lloyd is kind of that modern-day linebacker, undersized but very fast, very explosive, working sideline to sideline. Uh, Muma, um, kind of more that traditional linebacker, where you know, he, not that he's you know bad in coverage or anything, he's very good in coverage. Um, but you know, six foot two, two hundred forty-five, long, lengthy, um, good athlete, wearing sideline to sideline, can take on blocks a little bit. Um, you know, he has that traditional profile as a, as a linebacker. Um, Anderson is not the case. And this is a guy who obviously coming from a small school, uh, it's a little, things have to be run a little bit different there for the for that program. Um, and Montana at Montana state, Anderson did pretty much everything uh, for that school. You know, he was a linebacker for uh, that team and he was the best defensive player. Um, I believe, I think they're, they're not division two, I think they're uh, division one, IA. Um, I forget which class Montana state is in, but, uh, he was one of the better defensive players in his class. Um, I think he won defensive player of the year for the division he was in. And, you know, he's a very athletic player. He's got prototypical size for a linebacker. Um, I believe at like 6'4", 235, a uh, good length, very good athlete. And what's interesting about him is that he had experience on offense as well. He was their primary wildcat quarterback at Montana State. So he has experience on both sides of the ball. He's very athletic with the ball in his hands. So this is a guy who can kind of be a jack of all trades for you. If you want to bring him in uh, to be, maybe develop into a potential starting linebacker, he's got all the tools to be that type of guy uh, once he adjusts to the NFL speed and the size of the game. Um, but if you're looking for a guy who can be a special teams player and you know maybe do a, a bunch of different roles for you on your football team, he hopes out with that as well. So I'm really curious to see um, what he does in the drills at the Senior Bowl. Is he, is he just going to be primarily working on his linebacker drills Or is he going to find some time with the running backs a little bit or the fullbacks, Um, maybe with the tight ends a little bit, you know, see what he can do because uh, he's got a very intriguing athletic skill set. And, you know, if, if he can be that kind of versatile, do it all, you know, Taysom Hill type of weapon here with maybe a little bit more talent for the defensive side of the ball as a linebacker. I mean, that's really intriguing for a team early day three, late day two that kind of wants to get that type of player on their football team. Um, moving on to the offensive side of the ball now, uh, another small school guy is Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan offensive tackle. Um, you know, this is a guy who's quickly been rising up draft boards, and it's very possible that he could be a first-round pick when it's all said and done. Six foot seven, 35 pounds, good length, ex- really good athleticism uh, for his size. The one thing with him is that he's got to work on his anchor at the next level. He plays a little bit lighter at 35 pounds for a six-seven frame. And you worry that he might be a little bit too tall for an offensive tackle. You know, you don't want guys to be too tall because then it's easier for edge guys and defensive pass rushers to get under these, their pads a little bit and push them back to the backfield and um, use power against them get that leverage. Um, so if he can work on keeping his pad level lower and having a stronger base, stronger core, I think the sky's the limit for this guy because he has really good footwork. He's technically sound in the pass pro, um, very good athlete in the run game. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do here. And there's another offensive line I want to bring up as well, going into the interior, uh, Cole Strange out of UT Uh, This is a guy who um, I've, I've been getting a lot of buzz from me as a day three pick. I think there's some intriguing stuff that he brings to the table. Um, not the biggest guy in the world, maybe not the most elite of an athlete, but you watch his tape at Chattanooga. Obviously, he's playing at a smaller school, but very technically sound. Um, you know, he just gets the job done, which I really like about him. He rarely makes mistakes. Um, He's always in the right position. He does a good enough job of pushing guys out of the way. I'm really intrigued to see what he can do. I'm not sure if he's a bona fide starter, but I I think he's got a ton of potential to be, he's one of those guys where he doesn't have all the physical tools in the world, but he just, he just screams 10 year NFL vet. And, you know, I think a team that finds him on day three of the draft is going to be very happy with the results because he just has um, he has tenure vet written all over him. That's all I'll say about him because uh, there's just there's an intriguing skill set that he offers as an offensive uh, guard. And then the last player that I'll bring up here before we close things out is a wide receiver. It's a very deep wide receiver class this year. Uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State wide receiver. Um, you know he's been a guy who had a lot of experience working with Trey Lance, if you remember. At North Dakota State, when Trey Lance was over there um, a couple years ago, um, he was Watson was Trey Lance's number one target during his time at North Dakota State. You know, he's six foot five, extremely good speed, um, has deep threat ability at that size, but also you know fairly technically sound as a route runner as well, despite coming from a small school. Watson, he's got a a very intriguing skill set and tool set to his game and. Um, again, small school, so I, I'm not sure if he's going to be getting a lot of buzz here, but you know, he was the most dominant offensive weapon at his level of competition, the FCS, and um, it, it, we'll see if it translates uh, here, because I think you know, the Senior Bowl is always a very good showcase for these wide receivers, especially in the one-on-one drills. I would not be surprised if Watson really lights it up here in the one-on-one drills and, and shows that you know, he's kind of considered like a late mid to mid uh, day three pick right now. I think it's possible he could be getting some buzz late to get late, late day two guy uh, when it's all said and done after the senior bowl. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here at picks for polls. I almost said picks for pace again, but picks for polls, I got to get used to saying it. Um, we're going to make sure to get a new logo out for um, you know, our, our team here, a new branding name, um hopefully a new intro at some point for our podcast but for now it's it's going to be a little bit weird as we go from picks from picks for pace to picks for polls um make sure to give us a follow on twitter we've already changed our name on twitter to picks for polls so make sure to follow us there and you know for all of our updates when it comes to the senior bowl coming up next week and uh this entire draft cycle uh, make sure to keep an eye on that uh you said where can our listeners find you on twitter and find your work at the bearport
3: Yeah, guys, so you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshu. You can check out my work on the Bear Report. I promise you right now as we make this change for the podcast to a mini rebrand that that's one thing that's not going to go ahead and change is our Twitter handles, you know, and then just make sure you've got, like, tweet notifications, things like that on, guys. I mean, we've personally at Bear Report, you know, just been killing it with the updates. Myself, Andrew, our publisher, Zach Pearson, we've got a really strong, dedicated team. And, you know, we really want to make this offseason now that we have – the GM in place along with the head coach, which is coming soon, hopefully over the next couple of days here, we just want to make, you know, bear report everyone's premier destination for all things bears.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a busy time for us here. We have some guests lined up, um, whether it be NFL prospects, whether it be um, other guests or the senior bowl coming up, uh, keep an eye out bears fans, because we got a lot coming here uh, shortly for picks for polls and as for me, uh, where you can find me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at ag 25 You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. I got an article coming up, going over some of the bigger names that we kind of discussed today for the Senior Bowl. Keep an eye out for that as well on the Bear Report and pretty much all of our Senior Bowl coverage. We're going to be doing a lot of that over the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, so I, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to us today. Um, it's, you know, it's an exciting time, Bears fans. We have a new GM. Maybe by the time we get back here, we have a new head coach coming in soon. So uh, looking forward to all of that coming up. It's, it's, it's going to get crazy here because we have the Senior Bowl coming up this week. And then from there, and we're full go on the draft here coming up. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for tuning us for us today. Make sure to continue to uh, follow us here as we go through this draft process. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everybody, and bear down.